We're called into the presence of God this morning with some words from Psalm 95. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands form the dry land too. Come, let us sing and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over. We are the flock under his care. You know, we come today from a variety of places and in life experiences into this place where we expect to meet God. And we're called into the presence of God himself. And we know that we are the flock under his care. So what a rich spirit in which to begin worship today. Let's pray. Oh God, who is here in this place even now, empower us to praise you, not with words and actions which come from outside of us, but from within us. Dwell in us fully so that we may sing to you with all of our being. Fill us with a sense of your joy that we might actually delight in your worship. Focus us on your self-giving love which is above every love we've ever known. O God, who is here in this place, even now, make your love real to us this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This Sunday's the third week of a teaching series that we've been doing called Shaping the Future. And it's a series specifically designed for uh, the first part of this new year. I know that a lot of us make resolutions about things we'd like to change in our life at the start of the year, and mostly they're pretty superficial things, and we avoid the deeper issues that often have us in its grip. And one of those struggles, I think, is around making decisions, maybe especially big decisions, God-honoring decisions. Making decisions is part of the natural rhythm of life. And uh, there are little things that we choose on a daily basis, but then there are other things that tend to be spaced out over time. Maybe it's changing a career, uh, maybe planning a family, maybe buying a home. Whatever those are, those are big things that we uh, naturally want to put more thought into. So whether we choose one option or we choose none, we still make a decision. And that's what makes decision-making so difficult. If we're going to make one choice or the other, we want to weigh all the options. We want to make sure we get it right. But sometimes along the way, in our desire to please God, we forget about something called God's grace and God's mercy. And enveloped within the fold of God's grace and mercy is a space where there is love and there is hope and there is forgiveness. And I think we all totally need that. God knew that when he created us. He doesn't pull us away from um, those moments when, you know, we're trying to find our direction in life or we're trying to make the right decision. Um, He wants us to be uh, faithful, to work with him, uh, to to complete the work that he has started in us as his creation. and, And I've discovered over the years that God always wants to reroute us back into the center of his will. That's just the way God works. So we're going to talk about last uh, couple of weeks, we've talked about decision making and how decision fatigue fits in and the illusion of perfection that we talked about last week. And this week, we're going to talk about a process for making God honoring decisions in our life. And we'll get to all that 
in just a couple of minutes. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, you are the source of all wholeness and forgiveness and mercy. So may your spirit be with us today to heal those who today are torn, those who are here who uh, are feeling broken, uh, those who are fragile. Enable us, O oh God, through the gift of your steadfast love to remember who we are and whose we are. And in your love, may we be true and faithful disciples of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Most of us, I think, want to make good decisions in our life. And most of the Christ followers I know want our lives to reflect the life and the plan that God has for us. But some of us struggle to figure out God's direction, making decisions that we feel are truly in line with God's will and God's plan for our life is not an easy task. For some of us, um, making any decision is not easy. We mentioned two weeks ago how decision fatigue is a problem for us because we have so many options out there in front of us today. There are times when it's hard to make a decision at all. And we become overwhelmed, we procrastinate, we become paralyzed by the number of decisions that we have to make. But we also struggle to make decisions sometimes because we don't want to make the wrong decision. We fear that a wrong decision will derail our life. All around us we see people that we assume are living perfect lives. At least their life looks better than ours. So we begin to think that perfection is attainable if we just make the right decision and move in the right direction. And last week we called this the illusion of perfection. And this too makes it hard for us to make any decision at all. But studies have identified a third problem that is that the emerging generation has when it comes to making decisions. It seems that many of our kids have spent their childhood not having to make significant decisions. We've raised and continue to raise children who are over-programmed and over-scheduled. So they have not had a lot of big decisions to make on their own. They simply do what they're asked to do and go where they're directed to go. We make play dates for our kids, don't we? Where they're told where and when and who they're gonna play with. When I was growing up, my parents just said, go out and play, you know? I wasn't told who to play with, where to go, or what to do. I had to figure all that out on my own. So I would go knock on doors, see if any of my friends were available, and then we had to figure out what to do. We had to look at all the options. We had to make some decisions. I was really blessed to uh, grow up out in the country with woods and fields nearby, so we had lots of choices, especially in the summer. We could play baseball or horseshoes. We could go swimming or fishing. We could go down to the creek and catch crawfish. We could play hide-and-seek, we could build a fort, we, could, we created our own games. But here's the thing, we had to decide. We had to make the decisions, we had to work out the plans, we had to follow through with them, good or bad. And I know today we don't, and sometimes can't, just send our kids out to play anymore. The world has changed. So we schedule them for sports, we schedule for music, we schedule for dance, and yes, even playtimes. And when we program their lives, they don't have to make a lot of those big decisions, which means they're not learning how to make those decisions. So making decisions gets harder and more difficult as they get older, becomes a real challenge. 
The emerging generation also struggles with decision-making when it comes to careers. Now, please understand this is not an attack on any one generation. It's information from a variety of studies that is designed to help us to understand why today some have such a difficult time making decisions. My parents' generation grew up in the days during and uh, following the Depression. And that generation was told to get an education if you could, but get a job. And many of them did. They stayed in that job for 40 or 50 years. And whether they liked the job or not, they wouldn't leave. They wouldn't have thought of changing jobs and careers. My generation comes along and we're told to get an education and choose a career that we'll enjoy, and we do. But we begin to get dissatisfied with our work, so we often shift careers in order to explore new pathways in life. And what the emerging generation has been told and what they have embraced is to first and foremost do what they love, do what they love to do, and then make a difference in the world, and while you're at it, make a lot of money doing it. They've been told that they can have it all, and since very few opportunities in this life allow us to really do all three, some fear making any decision because they don't want to compromise. They don't want to make the wrong decision. They don't want to settle for less. And this goes back to that illusion of perfection. There are very, very few jobs where you can do what you love, make a lasting difference in the world, and make a lot of money at it. But many people are holding out for just that while living in their parents' basement. See, decision-making is difficult, but we're looking at how to make good decisions that we can trust, decisions that are in line with God's plan and God's purpose for us. And today I wanna to share with you a process for decision-making that can truly lead, I think, to God-honoring uh, direction in our life. And the process comes from the life of the Apostle Paul, and can be found in Acts chapter 20. Here in this story of Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul is in Ephesus. Ephesus was a city that he loved, and he was working with people that he loved. And together they've done some amazing ministry, some amazing work in this city, and Paul is happy there where he is. But Paul is sharing with the church leaders his decision to move on. And in the New Testament book of Acts, we read these words. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Now in these words of the scripture, the Apostle Paul shares with us four steps in the decision-making process when it comes to following God's direction. And the first step is to listen, to listen for the Spirit's prompting. While Paul loved where he was and could have stayed there, he was doing good work there, he was compelled by the Spirit to go somewhere else. Another translation says that Paul as a captive to the Spirit was going to go to Jerusalem. Captive usually means being held against our will. But Paul was willingly being held captive by the Spirit. 
The Greek word here implies being bound, being wrapped up by the Spirit of God and led in the direction that the Spirit wants you to go. And while we may be happy where we are, we must be open to the sudden, compelling feeling that God has something else for us ahead of us. I can think of a few times in my life where I felt compelled to do something more with my life. One of those times was in 1996 when I was invited to go back to school to start a three-year doctoral studies program. Another time was in 2009 when we began the 180 Turnaround Conference and started trying to help churches all across our state to focus on health and vitality. See, each of those times were seize-the-day kind of moments when I felt God compelling me and our church to move in a new direction, to make something more happen to decide to move in new directions. In the last couple of years, there have been some other profound moments when I felt the Spirit of God compelling me to make a decision. After a conversation a year ago with the district superintendent about the current struggles of the church in St. John's, I said yes to the idea of adopting that congregation and inviting them to join us as a second campus of Redeemer Church. That decision has led to a merger that I think has already given new life and a new spirit to what God is doing in and through us in this community. The second moment was two years ago, about this time of the year, when I clearly sensed God leading us to plan a miracle Sunday for October 2017. And as most of you know, in a single day offering, a miracle happened and we raised over $950,000 toward a $1.1 million indebtedness. And I was reminded through that event how important it is to listen to the Spirit's prompting, to be ready to move in a new direction. And I've never regretted either decision because it was God that was inspiring us to move forward. It's not always life-changing decisions, though, that God compels us to make. Sometimes the decisions God wants us to make are smaller decisions. We feel prompted to reach out to a neighbor or maybe call an old friend or maybe help out somewhere in the community. Maybe you're feeling prompted today to gather some friends or coworkers together and start a life group or a Bible study. Maybe the Spirit is prompting you to step out in faith to donate money or time to one of our many outreach projects. Maybe you're feeling compelled by God to go on a mission trip with our team next summer to Pittsburgh or take some time to actually serve those in need. Maybe it's to serve right here in our food pantry to help feed those who are hungry. You see, the steps don't have to be huge. They just have to be faithful to what God is prompting us to do. And as we consider making those decisions, we need to understand the second part of the process and that, that there will always be some uncertainty. Paul didn't know what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. All he knew was that God wanted him to go. And while we all want the details, you know, all ironed out in life, God doesn't always give us those details ahead of time, which is a good thing. Because if we knew all that was going to happen to us, we might not make the decision to move in a new direction. When I started my time here at Redeemer in 1988, if I had known how hard those first few months and years were going to be, I might not have said yes to this appointment. In my first three or four years here, there were a number of challenges and tough decisions, but looking back, I realize 
that it was a great learning experience. And while there's always some uncertainty in what we have to face, there's going to be something that we can always be certain of, and that is that God is with us. God will not only go with us, he will instruct us, he will guide us. This is what we hear in Psalm 32, 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. God wants to guide us. God wants to give us counsel and direction. We just need to trust God to do that and then we need to move forward. God's direction and counsel does not always reveal his entire plan to us. Sometimes he just shows us the next step. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet, to guide my feet, and a light for my path. God doesn't always light up the entire journey. He doesn't shine a spotlight into the future. Sometimes God simply shines enough light to help us take that next step. It's kind of like traveling through the fog. We simply walk as far as we can see and then we trust God that God's gonna lead us where we need to be. What this tells us is that the only real plan we need to move forward is to be faithful to what God is asking us to do today. We may not have the plans for the next five years or the rest of our life, but we don't have to have those. We just need to be faithful to live today. And while uncertainty is always a given, we have enough certainty in God to take the next step. Which leads us to the third point, which we will always have some predictable resistance. As we move forward with God's plans, there will always be resistance. Paul knew that hardships were facing him. He knew that prison was waiting for them, for him. There was going to be resistance, but he moved forward in faith. Doing anything significant in life comes with resistance. The problem we have is that too often we see resistance as God calling us to stop because God is not in that. Too often we buy into the idea that if we're, not, if, we, if we're in the center of God's will and moving in God's direction, then everything in life should be easy for us. Huh. Tell that to Moses. Huh? He led the people out of Egypt. God was giving them the victory over the most powerful nation in the world at that time. And then what happened? They hit the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army was approaching fast. This was not going as planned. But Moses didn't give up. He faithfully took the next step. He lifted his staff and watched the Red Sea part. And then there was Joshua, who led the people, uh, God's people, into the Promised Land. And the first thing they came up against was the fortified city of Jericho. This was not going as planned. The land was not just there for the taking, but instead of giving up and turning back, the people were faithful to God and they marched around the city seven times as God commanded and they watched the walls fall. Then there was Jesus, the perfect son of God, doing the perfect will of God, who met resistance at every step. Eventually he was crucified for doing God's will and we have to get away from this idea that if we're in the center of God's will, everything's gonna work out the way we want it to. Many times when we are doing God's will, we're going to meet resistance, so we need to be ready for it. But then the last step in this process of making faithful decisions and moving in God's direction is to claim an uncommon 
confidence. See, Paul had confidence that what was taking place in his life was from God. This was God's plan. This was God's course for his life. And Paul was so confident of this that he was going to see it through to the end. For Paul, this confidence came after years of walking with Jesus, with each step of faith. And finding God trustworthy all along the way, Paul had an uncommon confidence in Jesus that allowed him to follow the Spirit's prompting. So do you see the process here? How it feeds back into itself. We feel prompted by the Spirit, and while we know there is some uncertainty ahead, we move forward and we face any resistance. And as we find God trustworthy, it gives us that confidence to continue to move forward. So when the Spirit prompts us again to keep going, we can keep going. And as we trust this process, we find that the decisions uh, that we make are the ones that God wants us to make. And all along the way, we continue to gain more and more confidence in making those faithful God-honoring decisions. So let me ask you this morning, where are you today feeling that God's Spirit prompting you? What uncertainty are you struggling with? What resistance or fear are you experiencing? But more importantly, where do you see God walking with you? Calling you to go deeper, calling you to take a next step. See, God's direction is a process, and we need to trust the process in order to truly walk in the center of God's will. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for not leaving us without counsel on issues that are hard for us to figure out. Thank you also for teaching us the wisdom of seeing not only what the impact on ourselves will be from our decisions, but also the higher, broader, more eternal implications of our actions. We confess today our need for the wisdom that only your spirit can give us. So help us not to lean solely on our own opinions or our thoughts or our dreams or what society or culture or even our friends have to say. We need godly, not earthly wisdom. So supply us with the knowledge and the truth as we battle through tough decisions and uncertainty each and every day. Father, open our eyes to the barriers that are holding us back from spiritual progress and help us to walk confidently as we discern the next steps that we need to take in our life. Help us to always be motivated by nothing less than your honor and the best for the people around us. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.